Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Dr. Ken Rideout, joined as always by the professor, Dr. Theodore Atlas. Dr. Atlas, good to see you. Good to see you, Ken. We'll get right to it. We have an ep- epidemic out there, but we're there. We care. We care about our people, and uh, we've heard reports of hundreds, perhaps even thousands, of people who have been stricken with a new virus that's going around in boxing circles. It's called Canelo-itis. Um, it, it's very, I mean, it's, it's, it's very contagious. The symptoms are people walking basically in a catatonic daze, and they're mumbling something. It took a while to decipher, but finally they think they got it figured out that they're mumbling something that sounds like cinnamon, cinnamon, where have you gone, cinnamon? And um, researchers believe that this particular strain is connected to the sudden impact of their idol, Canelo Alvarez, losing rounds and in some eyes even struggling with a 40-year-old, um, really well past himself, uh, Triple G, and that they just, they they can't cope with it. They're having real bad problems and scientists have come up with a vaccine and that's why we're here this way because we're here to let everybody know that there's hope you're going to be okay you're going to be okay we really care about you we're not going to leave you in a lurch years ago if there was a serum and the doctors miraculously have figured out that this old serum that was used just years ago can there's a part of it they derived it where it can help with this with this virus it's the old what used to be called truth serum and <laughs> myself and the good doctor here dr Rideout, um we've been commissioned to administer it to the masses who have been infected uh it's 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 quite a responsibility we're ready for it uh we warn it has a bitter aftertaste to it. In certain <laughs> cases, it, it it can even it can even cause nausea and um, trembling, um, some vomiting. Uh, it won't last long. Within days, the symptoms should subside. And what makes this treatment so monumental is that it's administered through tablet form, and also through words that actually. Activate the medicine. I mean, science is amazing. It's really amazing where it's gone leaps and bounds from, you know, from the primitive days, um, my primitive days. Uh, you can call our office. We have a staff that, that is ready um, for an appointment to receive the tablets. But first, me and Dr. Rideout, we're gonna we're going to give you the audible part of the treatment. So take a deep breath, please. And... Um, just listen closely, and this is the audible part of it. Canelo, your hero, he's overrated. He he is massively overrated. He's been massively over. Ken, Ken, I see somebody going into convulsions in the treatment room. <laughs> uh, back back over on the side. Please send some of your staff in there immediately. This is, listen, don't panic. This is expected. This is expected. Um, let me just finish the audible part. He is tremendously overrated, has been overrated for years. It was shown 
out there. You have to come to grips with this. Um, yes, doctor. Uh, your consultation, doctor. I'm getting reports right now from the Staten Island PD that there is a group of anti-vaxxers marching towards your house right now to burn it to the ground and burn you at the stake for daring to speak out about Canelo. How dare you talk about their hero like this? We're here to tell the truth. Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes people that tell the truth through the history of this country, this great country and this world, um, sometimes, you know, people don't take to it well at first. But... But we have a responsibility because later on, people will wise up. People will get educated. People will understand. They, they will come to terms with it. And they will thank us. They will thank us. I might be dead by then because they may have burned me <laughs> at a stake by then. But, but I, uh, uh, there'll be martyrhood or whatever it is. I, I, but people, there will be a legacy left behind where people will say that man spoke the truth. Dr. Atlas spoke the truth. Dr. Wrightout spoke the truth. And you know what? It took guts to talk and to speak the truth. It really did. And there was a risk to it. And they took the risk because they cared. They cared about the masses. Um, the last thing, please, Ken, you know, as I said before, have the medical tab, you know, tend to any of the calls that you might be getting about the bad reactions to the treatment. Again, I'm going to repeat it. This is normal. It will subside within hopefully 24 hours. Our office will continue to monitor and field cases and calls as they come in. We, we have to do our show now, so we'll go to that because we have literally hundreds of thousands of people out there waiting to hear our show. But again, again, Godspeed. We are there. Uh, we care about you all. And uh, one, one, one last dose of the treatment. Uh, Canelo is overrated. <laughs> okay, let's go on, Doc. Let's, let's go on with the show for all our people that have not yet been infected, but we we hope that um, they will stay uh, they they will stay healthy and that they will get the vaccines that are being distributed at record pace, record pace. Teddy, I just got a fax from the zone. It said, "Tell Teddy uh, he'll never have a chance of working a Canelo broadcast on the zone." Thanks for playing. We appreciate his honesty, but we cannot have this kind of nonsense spewed on the air about the great Canelo. Well, this is kind of truth, but it's okay. <laughs> um, as I used to say when I had my 20-some year run at ESPN calling the fights, Doc, you didn't have to be the Mason Kreskin to figure that was coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> and listen, I... There, uh, what's that, nurse? What, you're, having, you're having a lot of collapses, a lot of uh, people going into, go, go, going into uh, shock. Uh, yeah, convulsions. All right, listen, treat, treat them, put them, in the, put them in the room, take care of them. We'll get to them after the show. Okay. <laughs> All right, I Teddy. hope I'm not coming down with it. <coughs> okay, I hope not. God, let me take a little. All right. Let me take a little aqua. A little aqua. <laughs> let's get Ken, down. To, thank let's you for get down being here. Thank you for risking yourself. Um, thank you for coming out of that. What's the name of that outfit you were wearing yesterday with the lab outfit? The uh, 
I, 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 I saw pictures of you in it because you were close to some infected areas. Um, oh, you, the, had a, um, you know, that, it looks like a spacesuit. Um, yeah. When you're working with uh, infectious diseases. The, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean... Hazmat suit. Yeah, hazmat suit. I mean, if you... It's probably too late for me, but I was going to say send one my <laughs> way. Uh, if you're able to, Ms. Uh, Doc... Please, Doc. Go ahead, Doc. It. Let's go. Let's go on, Doc. Um, I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that the good people out there again that are still healthy are anxiously, anxiously awaiting uh, this show. All right, let's jump into the main event: Canelo and uh, Triple G, long-awaited trilogy. Uh, from my perspective, it took. Uh, Triple G a little bit too long to get the engine going. He seemed to let Canelo get off first for the first. And then he shut it down. Then he yeah. shut the engine down. Great fighters don't do that. They got a forty-year-old guy in front of them where they—they looks like they're getting to him. Very simple. Press behind the jab, close the gap, go to the body, and oh, and then he slows down. He lets off the gas. Go ahead. I'm sorry. More than more more. From what I saw, more than Canelo uh, not not staying on the gas, I thought that Triple G was had a had a hard time getting going. Had a hard time letting his hands go. He let Triple Canelo G. Okay, you ready? Here, here's another yep. to get the get get the <laughs> uh, get the syringes. <laughs> get them ready. I love Triple G. I love Canelo uh, for the people, but I love the truth more. I love the truth more. Okay, and huh, okay, this is gonna be tough too. But let's spit it out, Teddy. Spit it out. Triple G is a shot fighter. He's a shot fighter. His legs were, he, he showed instances where his legs were out of sorts, where his legs were unsteady, moving backwards, like, like, like almost toddling. His leg, you could see it. And, and his muscle tone is the muscle tone of an older person. It, it's, it's, it's softer. You can see all those things. And if Canelo was a great fighter, he gets rid of them. I hate to say it. He, he gets rid of them. And listen, Triple G, he's an old lion. The teeth are gone. The, the claws are, uh, are diminished and, and broken. But the heart of the lion's still there. The pride of the lion's still there. But he was allowed to roar a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad he was, but he was allowed to roar a little bit at the end because Canelo allowed him to. It was kind of like watching one of these games, Ken, where, and, and you understand this, where you're watching a football game, basketball game, whatever, and, and one team is the better team, and they're, they're ahead. They're, it looks like they're dominating. They're going to blow them out of the freaking building. And for some reason, they let up. And they let the other team hang around. You heard that word, hang around. They let them hang you around. Saw it, yeah, you saw it yesterday with Baltimore and Miami. Baltimore was beating the exactly. brakes off them. Exactly. I think they were up like and 26 points or something. They, the they only lost problem the was Triple G couldn't quite get it done because he don't have it no more. They, he, he was a tremendous fighter. Great. Listen, Canelo's been a tremendous, solid fighter, but he's not a great fighter. That's my point. That's the point. He's not a great fighter. A great fighter doesn't struggle in spots, doesn't allow a guy who's well past himself, doesn't let off the gas. He finishes the job. He's not a great 
fighter. That's all I'm saying. He's not Sugar Ray Robinson. He's not even Sugar Ray Leonard, who was a great fighter. He's not not Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., who's a great fighter. Uh, He's not... Salvador Sanchez, who's a great fighter and a great Mexican, both of them great Mexican. He's not those guys. I know he's around in your time, people, and you want him to be that. But but there's more to it than that. There's why this was a little bit of a wake up call, you know, a little bit of a uh, really of of a wake up call to people to understand that maybe even though they won't because they're fans and and fan is derived the word fan is derived from the word fanatic. So you're gonna be crazy and you're nuts. Uh, okay, fine, you got the right to do that, but I got the right to tell the truth again. I got the right to tell the truth here with my with my associate, Doctor Rideout, and. You had an old car, okay? You want to get right down to it? You had an old car that could no longer go on the highway like it used to at 70 miles an hour. And the only way this car had a chance in the fight, in the race, was to keep a slow pace. And you know what? Canelo let him keep a slow pace where he let him go 45 miles an hour. He let him eventually take back roads, get off the highway, take back roads, he being Triple G. That's what happened. If he takes that car on the highway the way he was supposed to, no, the car the car doesn't finish. It breaks down. It breaks down, and they got to tow it off the road. Uh, so, again, the truth hurts, but the truth will set you free if you allow it to. So... That's what this fight was about. Do I give credit to Triple G for for using his great experience towards the when he had to and when he was sort of kept in a fight, uh, as I said, and he used his great experience and his great heart? Yeah, I give him credit for that. That's what he is. He's a lion, uh, even an old one. Do I give him credit for negotiating the punches by stepping out of range. He couldn't move his head maybe the way he wanted to, but he stepped out a little bit and was able to survive some of those bigger shots uh, early on just by doing that. Uh, that that was basically his defense. And trying to use his jab, yeah, I, I give him credit for all of that. Um, uh, every bit of it. What I don't give credit to is the commentators, really, and that's a sickness too. That's a disease, but we don't have the cure for that yet. We don't have. We can only cure one affliction at a time. We can't cure them all. We can't. I know people think we're miracle workers over here, but we're not. We're not. We're human. And the the commentators, I mean, really, I, I mean, can they just come dressed as cheerleaders? Really? Don't put a suit on. <laughs> just, just come dressed as a cheerleader. Okay? We can't dress as doctors. Teddy, I didn't even, come, I didn't even please, listen Ken, to them. I Ken, listened to the and, and Barstool then, broadcast. The Barstool broadcast yeah, was well, excellent. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. And then, and and you can laugh. I mean, listening to the the fight, you got to cry when you hear some of this stuff. And and anyone who battles me over this, you're not being honest. You're just not being honest. You're really not. And I mean, these these commentators, they, I, I mean, they gave no credit at all to Triple G, even later when he was winning some rounds. And yeah, we'll get into the judging later, but he he won some rounds. He was he was given some rounds, if you will. He took them. He was given some rounds late. He was given late rounds. There's no doubt about it. And the first two rounds were close. The third round, uh, Canelo started separating himself. No doubt about it. First two rounds, nothing was happening, so they were close. But the late rounds were given away. Were given away two to Two of the him. three and, judges and, gave Triple G the first round. Yeah, and then and then you gotta go to my point. 
And then but you listening gotta, to the broadcast, uh, they had him up six or seven to nothing, no questions asked. I, and not only that, I mean, they never gave him credit, Triple G, for anything, for anything. And 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 some of the things that were coming out of their mouth, one of them screamed, overhand right. And I'm like, yeah, one other part you left out. It didn't land. It didn't <laughs> land. I mean, that overhand right landed later in a fight, but not at that point. And then you talk about being just not prepared, not professional or not organized or not on top of your game. I mean, at the end, they were upset about the decision, how close it was, right? And... And and all of a sudden, one of the commentators say, oh, my God, you know, can you imagine the way they had it scored if they had given the last round to to Triple G, it would have been a draw. Hey, newsflash, guys. Look, they did give it to him. They, <laughs> they, did, they did give Triple G the last round. Look at your scorecards before you say something that, that absurd and that, that, that stupid. I'm sorry, but look they at all the gave scorecards. Him, they, all ge- they all gave him the last two rounds with the exception of one of the judges, Dave Moretti, had the 11th for triple G- for Canelo, which even that is like, what fight were you watching? It, oh, the, even the other judges got that one right. They all gave him the last, the last round. Two of them gave him the 11th, and two of them gave him the 10th, and it wasn't the same guy that gave him the 10th and the, the 11th and the 10th. Um, I mean... Dave Sutherland gave gave triple gave Canelo the tenth round. I didn't think that that round was that close. Listen, we had it right. If you watch the fight plan, we had it right. Um, I thought uh, always full transparency. I thought that Canelo had a chance to stop him. I, I picked Canelo to win, but I said he had a chance. But he did have a chance. But you know, uh, when you let off the gas like that. Um, obviously, you're not going to stop anybody. But you, we had it. We 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 laid it out right um, in the fight plan. There was only going to be one winner, uh, but there was two winners. I correct myself because Triple G was allowed to leave there. A lot of people thought it couldn't happen with his pride intact, his dignity intact. You know, uh, as, as the great champion that he's been, he was able to walk out of there that way. And and don't think that it was missed on him because he even, I, I caught him. I watched him. I watched him leave and go into the locker room and I saw him. He said to somebody with his fingers like this an inch apart, he said, very, it was so close. It, it was close. It was close. Hey guys, just want to take a quick pause to give a shout out to today's sponsors everyone's favorite athletic greens they've been with us from the start new name ag1 check them out at athleticgreens.com use the promo code atlas to receive 10 of these free travel packs with your first purchase and again these travel packs are invaluable because i take them with me everywhere i go leaving tomorrow for the berlin marathon flying to germany i'll be there 10 days i got 10 travel packs it's perfect you literally just mix it with a cup of water in the shaker that it comes with it tastes great, goes down easy, and you get a day's worth of fruits and vegetables of all servings in one in one shot. Made from 75 whole food source ingredients. It's got everything, vitamins, minerals, pro and prebiotics. It really is an all-in-one uh, insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. 
Um, especially when I'm traveling, I make sure I hit all the vitamins I need and athletic greens is the all in one source. So athleticgreens.com use the promo code Atlas ATLAS for 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Today's show is also brought to you by feel free. Check them out at botanictonics.com and you can use the promo code Atlas for 40% off your first purchase. Again, 40% off. Uh, Feel Free is a botanic-based tonic. It's made with uh, kava, amongst other ingredients, and it creates almost like a euphoric feeling. Um, It's advertised as an anxiety reducer. Uh, I I find that it does reduce anxiety, but I also find that I get a burst of energy. I like to take them before I run. I always take them before I race, and I've had great results with them. So give them a shot, botanictonics.com. Use the promo code ATLAS and get a couple cases of Feel Free botanic tonic so he got it to hang his hat on that he got he got to and that was important to him obviously um the the other thing that i want to touch on because we like to x-ray especially when we're in doctor uh you know in our doctor gear uh we like to x-ray the whole thing and i touch on the judging a little bit now i've been down this road before but it's a true road. It's a it's a road that has been a proven road, uh, 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 you know, uh, to go down. It, it really is, if if you've been in boxing for any length of time. Now, a couple things happen here. A lot of people complaining about how close it was. A lot of people, and but I'm not one of them because. What I am going to point out is all facets of it, though, what's going on there. First of all, he gave away, as I said, he gave away Canelo a lot of rounds late in the fight. So you can't, I don't know what they're crying about. He gave away several rounds, all right? I won't say a lot. He had four rounds, five rounds, three, four, five, whatever. He gave around, and there was some, like I said, at least a round early that was close. And what the judges did, what you have to not miss on this, and I'll say it again clearly, there was only going to be one winner. There was no way these judges were ever, ever, ever going to allow Triple G to win because that wasn't their job. That's the promoter, the, the, the gods that be, the powers that be have Canelo winning because he's the guy that makes the money. He's the... He's, He's the golden goose. So that was you can gonna, see it from was, the you that, can see it from the purse split. I think it was forty five million guaranteed to twenty million guaranteed for Triple G. Forty five yeah. for Canelo. Listen, he's the I money think those guy. Were the exactly. Exactly. Now there was so there's he's going to win the fight. But here's the thing: judges are human. Even if they're crooked, they're human, and they felt the pressure for this fight that. Triple G got robbed the first two, which he did. He did. I don't care what you say. The second one was closer. Listen, he got robbed both fights. He got robbed both fights. The first fight, he pressed the fight the way he usually did. He got robbed. Second fight, he boxed more on the outside. Then at the end, he pressed a little bit. And, and he, he used his jab well in the, most of the fight. And he should have got that fight. But they were under scrutiny. And they knew they were under scrutiny, the judges. And they knew that people were going to be watching close about... Well, they're going to rob him again if if it's you know if there's even a chance to rob him, and so they were very cognizant of that, sensitive to it, 
And what they were doing was their guy got way ahead because that's what they do. They make sure that their guy, the promoter's guy, the guy that has to win, gets ahead. So they he they got and listen, Canelo got himself ahead too. So I'm not I'm not begrudging that. I'm not arguing that. So they get he's way ahead. Now they can cherry pick. Now they can play games. Now they can pick here and there to make it look like they're being fair. And and they did some of it again. Triple G did it himself. He 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 took rounds that were given to him. So he deserved it. But they could cherry pick. At the end of the day, they, they wanted to look like they were being fairer. But one thing, do not misjudge one thing. Do not let this escape you people. There's no way that they were going to go as far as giving it, no matter what, to to Triple G. They always had enough of a space, enough of a margin to protect that from happening. But again, Triple G was given rounds. He took some rounds late in the fight. And I'm going to tell you, there's a couple of things going on here that could be excuses. Because as a doctor, I took an oath to care not only about the physical being of a patient, but the spiritual being of a patient, the the you know that part of a patient, not just not just the body, but the soul, and so I'm going to speak to that part, where I understand a lot of people they were confused with Canelo and how this could happen. I'm going to give you an excuse. I'm going to put a few puzzle. The first thing is he's not a great fighter. Okay, that's just. Um, but here's another one, maybe going up and down in weight as he has to light heavyweight then back down maybe that has impacted him physically it impacted i believe it impacted a great fighter named roy jones years ago when he went up to heavyweight back down with john to beat john ruiz and then back down i believe that it did have a detrimental effect on roy jones so maybe that's playing a little bit a little bit out uh in it also he looked like he was gassing after eight rounds, which was kind of amazing, uh, Canelo. Now, maybe it's because he really wanted to get rid of him early. He didn't, and then he started mentally and physically gassing a little bit. Um, that I mean, he started accepting clinches, even initiating clinches. You don't do that if you say you're going to knock a guy out. Canelo said it. Teddy Atlas didn't say it. Canelo said, I'm going to knock him out. I have no regard for this guy, no respect anymore, you know, as far as belonging in the ring with me. I'm going to knock him out. Listen, when you have the advantage on the inside, which he's supposed to have as the younger guy, the stronger guy now, in this particular time at, at with a 40-year-old uh, Golovkin, you're not supposed to clinch. You're supposed to fight in there. You're supposed to punch in there and take advantage of that. And you're supposed to behave like the younger guy, keep the pressure on. Even his own corner validated what I'm saying right now. His own corner said, hey, it's time to be the younger guy. They actually said that. It's time to be to use your youth with this old man and be the younger guy. And he didn't. And again, if you want to knock a guy out, like he said he wanted to knock out uh, Golovkin and he would knock him out, you punch on the inside. You don't initiate clinches. But he did. There was a little breaking, a little weakening, physically, mentally there on his part. Again, great fighters don't do that. That's all I'm saying. Good, solid fighters can do it sometimes, and he's a good, solid fighter, but not great ones. 
and he did and he he allowed he allowed Golovkin to as I said earlier to to keep a slow enough pace where later on he could make a little run he could grab some rounds and there was there was something else going on that again not an excuse but an explanation maybe to the performance where I saw Canelo, not Canelo, Triple G in the later rounds, maybe around the ninth or so. I'm not sure what round. But in the later rounds, he touched gloves with Canelo. Now, people say, hey, Teddy, why why are you bringing that? What's the big deal? First of all, it is a big deal. They didn't touch gloves. You touch gloves at the beginning, at the end. But they didn't touch gloves in the first two. They were at war. Serious stuff. They didn't touch gloves. There was there was no treaties made. When he touched gloves, he being uh, Triple G, Canelo touched back right there, right there. there that, see, most people are never going to touch on this, ever. But there was a little something going on there. There was a little silent agreement going on there, guys. A little where it, it's it's like, okay, you know what? We, we did what we had to do here tonight. You know, uh, I, you're going to win the fight, basically, you being Canelo, and, you know, but I'm still here. People didn't think I'd still be here. And you know what? Uh, I'm not saying let's take it easy, but it, it's kind of been settled already. It's kind of understood already. And now that's just bring it home. But it was it was a different dynamic now. It wasn't like, I said a great fighter like a Robinson or Sugar Ray Leonard, they would have went after it. Julio Cesar Chavez, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get rid of him. Why? Because that's what I do. Because I see, I, I'm a shark. I smell blood. I'm going to go and freaking, I'm going to eat. And and there's blood in the water. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to devour what's in the water. And there was blood in the water. And, and now suddenly... Again, there was like a treaty. There was like an uh, understanding where, hey, we proved it. You, you're still here, you know, you old great fighter, and I'm going to win this. And yeah, um, you know what? That's just bring it home. We're bringing home. You walk out of here with your pride intact, like I said earlier. I go on to many, many, many more millions of dollars. I go on to, you know, Future fights, probably the winner of uh, Bevo and and um, Ramirez, you know, uh, for millions of dollars. And you know what? There will be no passes. It's kind of like a hall pass, that movie, The Hall Pass. There will be no hall pass given in those fights. But there was a hall pass given. There, yeah, yeah, there was a hall pass given. But not, but not in the fights in in Canelo's future. And he kind of knew that. And I'm telling you, that was a little bit of a element of it. Just a little bit. It was a little bit of a factor, an element, uh, X factor, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, again, I, I understand where people have a hard time swallowing the truth hearing this but uh, you know the one the one thing is 
if you guys want to believe it, go ahead. But don't try to get me to believe it just because you're a fanatical fan. Because kind of like the movie, you know, I love to use movie, you know, uh, clips and, and go back to movies that make sense for, you know, to put something out there. And it's kind of like the Godfather movie where Michael Corleone says to to that guy who I couldn't stand, um, the what was his name? Fredo? Um, no, uh, Carlo. That, that, oh, Carlo. That, 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 <laughs> that traitor, that I, gutless uh, I love piece the way you talk about them that, like they're real people. <laughs> that gutless piece of garbage, that that uh, that rat, that that guy with no character. Anyway, and um, and he goes, and he says to him, "Listen, just I know it was you that set up Santino, but don't lie to me, don't lie to me anymore, because it insults my intelligence and it makes me angry. Well, it insults my intelligence when people try." to get me to swallow some of the things that they have swallowed, that they believe, that, that you know, good, you want to believe it, fine. But don't insult my intelligence with it because I've been there. I've been there 50 years in this business. I understand these things happen. I understand the landscape. You know, like Bob Dylan said in his song, you know, I know which way the wind's blowing. I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, it bothers some people, but... I, I already do. So um, I wish we had more people like there's a former fighter um, up in the Bronx, uh, Harlem, uh, Tyrone Jackson, the Harlem Butcher. He was a contender. Terrific fighter, terrific puncher, terrific person. And I wish there was more people like him that because he, he – he obviously watches the show. He's a subscriber to the show. And he he loves it. And he loves it for one reason. As he says, that it's for the truth-telling that it does. And then he goes out there and he gets into arguments with people, you know, trying to put it forward, <laughs> the same stuff that, that again, that, uh, you know, some of the people indoctrinated, if you will, with their beliefs. And fine fine it's it's a free country um but it doesn't mean you can't learn something or you can't allow yourself to possibly learn something um golovkin's been hurt to the body did did canelo go to the body maybe one moment but did he go to the body on a regular basis the way he should have he's been hurt golovkin in recent fights no no he didn't um and again when canelo pressed behind the jab and closed the gap and moved his hands a little bit it looked like it was going to be a bad night. It looked like a bad omen for Triple But it never it never got there. It never got there. Before the uh, people attack, obviously we know that the Bronx and Harlem are two different things. You said up in the Bronx. or No, 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 no. The, but the Bronx is on the... Uh, no, no, I knew what I was saying. Yeah, no, I know. I'm it, just clearing it because up because I think it came no, out. No, that, no, no. He, no, no. He lives up in the Bronx, but he he, he came from from Harlem. I got that's you. Okay, was, cool. That's, he was born in Harlem. He, he lives in the Bronx now, but he's right on the border of the Bronx and Harlem I gotcha. anyway. Because, you know, um, if you go up far enough, if you go uptown in Manhattan far enough to Harlem, um, then you eventually, you know, walk into the Yeah, Bronx, it's right so. on the line, right across the river. Uh, um, before the um, 
the Canelo Brigade attacks, just to reiterate, you said it before, that you love Canelo, but we're just pointing out, or Teddy's just pointing out that some of this stuff is overrated. It's easy to have recency bias where you think that the guy who's doing it right now is the best to ever do it. But as Teddy, as you've said many times before, there are a lot of great Mexican fighters that were probably superior to Canelo. So I know the people are going to come out with the pitchforks. But just to clarify, no, let him, let him, let him, listen, listen, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. And, and I, I didn't do anything here on, you know, any anybody's, you know, pushing or asking other than mine. My decision, my choice, is our choice in life, what we do, what we say, how we act, how we behave, how we live. I made a choice. I want to clarify the for the people, though, that you actually but, like but Canelo. But you mean, can like I, him and he can be overrated. They're two separate yeah, things. Yeah, listen, you're going to get the haters out there. You know why? Because they do need doctors. We, we joke and stuff, but they do need doctors. They need help. They need help. They need serious help. See, I'm not a psychiatrist, although I could be because I've been a trainer for 50 years. So, in a bit, so you got to be a little bit of a psychiatrist to really, really... Uh, be a good trainer to understand to negotiate the realms, the realms of fear, the realms of inhibition, the realms of doubt, the the dark places that a fighter has to go, where sometimes they don't know if they're ever going to get to to the light again. Um, to navigate them through those things, you do have to understand how it affects somebody uh, and be a bit of a psychiatrist. So I'm probably a, more of a psychiatrist than more people, most people, without the certificate for it. But I. Even with all that, I can't help some of these people that that really they might need a little psychiatric treatment where they where, where they're going to turn around and and they're going to say, oh, um, my grandson, my granddaughter just came home from school and and they're showing me their stuff they did in school today and I loved them so <laughs> I even in the middle of it I have to I have to acknowledge them. Um, see, I'm human. I'm human. I'm not that bad. I'm human. I have grandchildren that actually love me. Uh, the point is, these people out there that are, you know, mixed up, they're bugged up. The customado old timer used to say, they're bugged up a little bit, Ted. And if you try to unbug them, you're going to get as buggy as them. So I don't want to <laughs> get as buggy as them. I'm trying to help them. I'm, I'm saying there's some out there that are going to say that I hate Mexicans. See, that's where it gets crazy. That's where they need psychiatric treatment. That's where they need shock treatment, maybe. Uh, not too strong, you know, just maybe 50, 50 volts, not, not like 200, where, you know, you're going to toast them. I don't want to toast anybody. But they need a little something. They need a little something when they're going to go to that place because they disagree with what I'm saying, that, oh, he don't like Mexico. No, no, I love all people. You know what I love? I love all decent people that have decency in their veins, in their hearts, in their souls. I love all people that have care about other people. I love them. That's all. I don't love people that are not good people, that don't care. Speaking about of good people. people, we had some good friends that were out there for the fight. That place, the, the fight, um, needless to say, brought out the stars. Uh, I talked to Rosie Perez on Saturday. She was out there with our friend Ben Anderson. I saw my. She's coming our, to the foundation dinner, I, I think. I hope so. Cool. Uh, I, Saturday uh, foundation. 
I also saw our mutual friend Joe Rogan was out there with uh, the great Dave Chappelle. I mean, that's they brought out the A-list or heavy hitters for this fight, and I'm sure the same crowd will be in attendance for the Crawford um, Crawford Spence fight. These big fights and Canelo and um, that uh, the Crawford Spence fight are the rare fights that aren't the rare fighters that aren't heavyweights that bring out the A-list and the big heavy hitters in terms of uh, celebs that come out to these fights. I'm looking forward to that Crawford Spence fight. Also looking forward on a separate note the um our friend dustin poirier is fighting at the garden on um november 12th we'll all be there teddy i believe you're working it with espn but yeah, rob yeah, and i will be the there with charlie a, monahan and all yep. the great talent out there yeah and for any of the fans interested rob and i will be there ringside with uh, a whole host of interesting uh colorful characters so looking forward to that but, um, yeah, all in all, I thought that both fighters, uh, I mean, I-, I thought that short of getting the win, Triple G handled himself as well as he could. He got a $20 million payday. Uh, one thing that was interesting, he said he's not done. He said, let me remind you, I still have three belts at 160. This fight, by the way, was being held at 168, right? The last fights were all at 160. So, you know, Triple G, uh, Triple G went up eight pounds to accommodate Canelo's request. So... Credit to both fighters. I thought it was uh, the last four rounds were very entertaining. I thought the set first seven were boring, uh, slightly boring-ish. Um, but, you know, Canelo did what he had to do. I thought, like, to your point, he could have got him out of there or tried, pressed the action a little bit more. But uh, all in all, I thought it was an entertaining fight. Um, you got anything else on that before we get into the undercard? Just the one I'm looking, fight. We I'm looking at some... You know, I, I got notes, medical records here, Ken. <laughs> and I'm looking, Ken, this is serious stuff. I mean, I you know, we, we work at it. I mean, we don't just come and throw it at you. We work at it. You know, we go in the lab and we work. And I was in the lab late. And I got all, look, I mean, it, there's, there's almost 50 pages here, okay, <laughs> of medical records of all our good people out there that I care about. I care about you. It's like, mwah, mwah. I, okay, that make you feel a little bit better? I'm trying to have some bedside manner. I get it. Sometimes it's a little tough because the medicine, ah, it's tough. It, it is. It, 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 I get it. But I, I do care about you. That's why I'm here. I got the records, and I'm just going over some of them. I want to throw in one other thing that I made a note to myself, and I tweeted, but I'll get to that in a minute. I have a great tweet team that Rob put together for me, and they do a great job because we own the tweeting universe now um, out there. We, we, we really do. I, I think more people, some people would rather follow our tweets than, than actually listen to the fight. I'm not sure. But we, we get a lot of attention over there in the tweeting universe, Twitter, whatever that is. Uh, but I made a note to myself that... Before the fight, that for Triple G, it wasn't... And I'm not saying it was just about money for either one, but it, it definitely wasn't about money for Triple G, and it wasn't about money for Canelo. They're both rich. They're both that was rich. Ian, but, Ian and Brennan, by the way, with regards to the tweeting. Yes, but, but for Triple G, it was like in the movie Braveheart, you know, great movie, by the way, uh, when Mel Gibson says, you know, to the men, uh, all the warriors, they're about to get go fight, uh, Basically, we fight now so many years from now when you're old and lying in your bed, you can look back with no regrets and know that you have your freedom. And, you know, I, I really, I tweeted that for a reason because for Triple G, it really was about having his freedom from those first two fights and no more regrets to live with. 
walking off with his dignity and pride and legacy intact. And you know what? He did. And um, and like I said, I to validate that, he at the end when he was walking to the locker room and he put his inches, his finger inch close, like I said, he you could see him say to somebody, you know, it was close. It was close. So very close. So that's that's what it was about for him. Um, just to get his freedom from those fights and from the stigma. Well, you mentioned uh, Braveheart. I got a funny story for you regarding Braveheart. I was with um, Rob once, and we were working out in uh, Malibu at Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese's house, and they do a lot of hot and cold therapy, like sauna, ice plunge, etc. So I'm sitting in the sauna and chit-chatting, and someone was asking me where I was from. I was telling them, and one of the, there was an older guy in there, and he said, wow, it's a really interesting story. We just had a few words, and I said, uh, what do you do? And he said, oh, I'm a writer. And I said, oh, have you written anything I would know? He's like, oh, maybe. I wrote a movie called uh, Braveheart. <laughs> Get like, out of here. Oh, yeah. Get I out of here. God. Yeah, I promise. Randall Wallace. One of the great, I mean, one of the great movies. I know. But he just said it casually like, oh, yeah, yeah, I wrote a movie. You may have heard one of my movies was called Braveheart. <laughs> wow. I Brilliant, mean, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, just, hey, look, I try to quote movies that are great or movies that at least yep. to me are great you know that that speak to me and that i think makes sense to quote that play out in the in the fight of life if you will um but again we have ufc stuff to cover but we needed to cover that first i i, I hope our office is always open um you know if you need to get in touch we have an answering service 24 7 Dr. Rideout is always on call. He's a good man. He's a good man. <laughs> yeah, just give and, me a call uh, on my cell. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he, he's, always, he's always available. If he's not, I'll make sure he is. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> and I want to, I know you put it out there, but I want to do it myself. My Twitter, Twitter tweet team, whatever they're, you know, they want to go by, they can go by anything because they're magnificent. And um, it's Rob Moore, Brennan Wood, and Ian Mackey, uh, again, I, I just appreciate the hell out of them. We spent hours. We literally spent, because we started with the UFC undercard, and we went through that, and then you know how long it takes to get to the, to the pay-per-view fights, right, Ken? Uh, it takes yep. to like midnight. And, and then we went through the, the first fight of the Canelo um, card, and then we got, you know, we got to the... Uh, to UFC, and that reminds me. Before we go to the UFC, we have to touch on the uh, that that one undercard, the cold feature. Yep, uh, I got you. Yeah, touch on that. Yeah, we'll touch on that right now. Um, basically, Bam Rodriguez, the champ, retains his title in a win over Israel Gonzalez in a fight that was probably tougher than he had anticipated. The scorecards were interesting, though. I thought that Bam clearly won the fight. One judge had it 118-109, but another judge had it 14-13. So very uh, big discrepancy in the way some of these guys are seeing the fights. Maybe the guy who scored it 14-13 uh, was unhappy with his hotel suite or something because uh, he wasn't following the party line. But nevertheless, those little guys always bring the scrappiness. And uh, Bam, I like Bam Rodriguez. I think he's exciting. He comes to fight. Tons of punching. Um 
you know, a good scrap for little guys, much more competitive than I than I had anticipated, and I think than most people anticipated. Much closer, much more competitive. How'd you like it? Yeah, no, it was a good fight. I mean, it was a damn good fight and competitive fight. Um, Rodriguez, you know, the champion, young champion, and Gonzalez, he had a right to think he was going to win. If I'm not incorrect, I mean, he didn't win the fight. I thought he lost, but. He had a right to be really confident. He's an exper- He's young too, but he's experienced. I think this was his third or fourth shot at a title. I believe the third. So this is a guy who's been down this road. Um, he hasn't quite gotten it done yet, but this might have been his last shot. You know, at the ring, uh, at the golden ring, if you will, at the title. And he made a hell of a challenge. A hell of a challenge. Um, the young champion Rodriguez is just a good, solid fighter who knows how to get inside and work. And he works with short, hard, well-placed, and well-timed Ken, uh, punches. Uh, I thought Gonzalez got out to a 2 nothing lead by controlling range, just a little bit on the outside, catching or trying to catch uh, Rodriguez on the way in and, and make him, you know, go to a bad neighborhood to get to him, if you will. Uh, Rodriguez kept applying steady pressure that was the key kept applying steady pressure and good body work where and he he was wearing down gonzalez as the fight went on and again uh plenty of heart from gonzalez plenty of punches i'm glad uh you know you got to be a good judge with these kind of fights you got to know what you're watching because one guy's throwing a real lot and another guy's throwing too but he's placing the shots that was the difference for me that Gonzalez was placing shots and Rodriguez was throwing shots. And throwing more. I won't dispute that. But not placing them as well. And that's, that's, there's a science to that. A great science to that. And it makes you a world champion sometimes. And it has made Gonzalez a world champion. He was placing his shots beautifully. Um, Gonzalez was, was uh, as I said, he was throwing while Rodriguez was placing uh, By the way, to your I point, made, Gonzalez, Gonzalez has challenged for a title now five times. Previously, he um, lost three and got a majority draw on the other one, so the other guy retained his title. So every time yeah, seemingly so, he steps up for a title, he's just a step away from that next level. Yeah, and, and he was a step away because he he probably had a lead in the fight, but then it dissipated because Rodriguez, he's smart. He slips shots well enough. He works his way in. He got into his his wheelhouse. He got to where he wanted to be, where he could attack upstairs and downstairs. Again, nice, short, clean, accurate punches, placed really beautifully. Uh, if this was a baseball game and they were both pitchers, Ken, I think this analogy really works. Uh, one was throwing strikes. You know that that would have that would have been Rodriguez, and the other one was throwing balls. And and listen, he was getting some strikes in there, but he was walking guys a little bit. He was throwing balls. Uh, he wasn't throwing as many strikes as Rodriguez was, and that was that was the difference. Now listen, having said that, and having used that analogy, I got to go a step further now. You know, and really finish up with it because we don't leave anything out there uh, where fans say, hey, Teddy, how come you didn't talk about this? But 
Rodriguez also threw a couple wild pitches. He went south to the border. He got a point taken away. And then he went south to the border later, and the referee didn't take a point away. Uh, and we saw in the replay that he, huh, it could have changed things maybe. Who knows? But he didn't even penalize him. He didn't even warn him. He said that it was a clean punch. And as we saw, having the benefit of the replay, Ken, it was a low blow. And here's my question. Why? 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 Why, Ken? After all these years, does boxing not use what all the other sports use? Replay. Why do they not use replay? Every other sport uses it to get things right when the time comes. And boxing is the it's still the one that refuses to use it. And um, Teddy, Teddy, to your point, they always have more than one ref. No, a, one ref doesn't ref every single fight on a card. They rotate them through. Why can't one guy be watching a monitor while one guy's in the ring? Well, of and course they can. Like a umpires, you ask why. You ask why. And the guy jumps up why. and says, "Hey, st- hey, he didn't hit him low. Start the fight. Don't give him a break." Hundred percent. That's all they have to do. Why don't they use that technology? Why? Well, I think I might know why. <laughs> and again. Fasten your seatbelts because the truth can shake you up a little bit. It can, it can shake you up a little bit. I think uh, because they don't want to be forced into a situation where if their guy, the promoter's guy, is the one doing something wrong, where then they would be forced to take action and maybe change the course of the fight. Just a thought. Just a thought I'm putting out there. I'm sorry. I've been in this sport all my life. It's a corrupt sport sometimes. And what I just said, is that feasible? Is that possible? Damn right it is. Unfortunately, I wish to God it wasn't. But it is. But how do you explain why they don't use technology that's there to be used that has helped the other sports? that, That has proven that sometimes the the human eye can't get it right sometimes they miss it sometimes they don't sometimes the refs are incredible incredible with their calls but other times they can't be and the videotape gets it right it doesn't lie so i just had to say that uh i thought maybe rodriguez could have went to the body even a little bit more but at the end of the day it was a solid performance by him. I like him a lot. It was a good performance by both. Uh, you know, I, I I thought it was a I thought it was a really entertaining, just good solid fight. Both guys very busy. Um, it reminded me a little bit of Chavez Meldrick Taylor for the people out there that aren't only uh, ten years old. That you know that are a little bit uh, not as old as me, of course or as young as Ken, but, um, you know, that have been around for a minute in this sport. It reminded me of Chavez Meldrick Taylor, where Taylor threw, he threw more, but Chavez was breaking them down with hard, clean shots. And it ended a little controversial, maybe a lot controversially, when Richard Steele, I believe it was Richard Steele, stopped it with seconds left on the clock in the 15th round. There are no more 15-round fights. Uh, and Taylor was ahead. But it did remind me a bit of that, uh, where, again, Taylor's thrown a lot, but the other guy's landing clean shots. And that was kind of what it was here. 
where you know the the champion was landing. Uh, he might not have been thrown as much, but like I said, he he was landing the clean shots. So I think we covered everything in the boxing world. You know, you get some of these people again; they need medication. I can't medicate everybody because I don't believe in medicating everybody. But um, some of the people out there, I'll tell you, you don't like boxing no more. You know, you're just covering UFC. Uh, no, no, I love boxing. I love boxing. It's my life. Been my life. Thank God. Um, and uh, it's been good to me. And I think I've been good to it. But UFC is also a sport that I've, I've gotten to really appreciate much more than I did years ago. Really appreciate these gladiators, just like the gladiators in boxing and what they do. You know, the difference with the UFC guy, yeah, the fighters got to deal with the punches. The UFC got to deal with the punches and with the kicks and with the knees and with the elbows and with the grappling and with the jujitsu. So yeah, I've come to appreciate them, to appreciate, uh, you know, uh, that they also, the, the pressure they're under, the dark places they got to go and get out of and how they still have to use the cerebral element of it to be superior, as tough as they have to be, as much as they have to be Vikings and warriors and samurai, they got to be smart too. And I've come to, as I said, appreciate that and bring that to the audience, uh, that appreciation. So that doesn't mean that I no longer love boxing. Okay, so take your pill and chill um, and, you know, relax a little bit. And let's get to the uh, UFC part of uh, town, uh, I believe. You are correct. Let's get into the UFC slash check Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Man, there were some cuts in the UFC fights. But before we get into the big cuts, let's touch quickly on... Um, Andre Touchy Feely is in there against Billy Algio. Billy Algio was on that um, on that Long Island card I went to this summer and uh, put on a hell of a performance, got a victory. This one was close, goes to a split decision. Andre Touchy Feely gets it. Um, man, this was a primarily a uh, stand-up match until the final round, in which Andre Feely gets Billy Algio in a in in the most perfect rear naked choke almost to the point where oh yeah when someone gets that choke on it's over even the announcer saw like, my tweet you saw my i you probably read some of my tweets on that because i, I was to be honest i forgot that it. the fight was on during the day i didn't see any tweets i had baseball football everything so i was catching up i watched oh, them all last yeah. night but algio i mean he was in it the announcers were like he's got the rear naked choke it's over and dc just like a matter of fact was like yeah this is over there's no way but Billy Algio puts, you know, gets the old two hands on one, pulls the hand. I can't believe he got out of it. I mean, it was, you know, when DC says it's over, he's that guy knows MMA and grappling as well as anyone. Credit to Billy Algio, man. It takes a heart of a warrior to 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 to. Yeah, but to you know what that through. speaks to? It speaks to the soul of a man, a person. Hundred uh, percent. It really does. It speaks to the soul of a person that it ain't over till they say it's over. Really. Yep. Really? Yep. Really? And not to quote like the late we, great Yogi Berra, but it ain't over to, it's over. It ain't over to somebody agrees. Algio uh, basically said, <laughs> exactly. Algio said, this ain't over until I say it's over and ain't over till I'm well, dead. Well, like basically. it wasn't over for the great Volkanowski. Same yes, thing. Yes, yes. A hundred, twice. 
I had him in a guillotine, then had him in a, the, Brian Ortega, T-City, because he's got such a triangle. He had T-city. him locked in a triangle, as good as it gets. You, you Some of those holes you think if... if, if when somebody named T-City has you in one of those holes, <laughs> that that's usually the end. But, you know, if, if you've ever had been caught in a rear naked choke, even clowning around, you know that that feeling is paralyzing. You know you only have a few seconds before you go out, whether you like it or not. And, man, Billy Algio, he, he just got two hands on one hand. You really need two hands to choke someone who's an experienced grappler with a rear naked. Some people can do it with one, but not to guys like Billy Algio. And he, subs- and he fought through it. And I... I still can't believe he got out of it. I mean, that was as clean as it gets, but awesome fight. He loses on a split decision. Andre Feely gets it. In my mind, there's no real loser there. That's the kind of fight I think the UFC rewards Algio with extended fight contract or however they do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got an extra bonus from Dana in the back. I think he does that sometimes when it's not reported. I know once he gave DC a million dollars and it wasn't reported. So anyway, nevertheless, uh, awesome, awesome uh, undercard fight. How'd you like it? Uh, it, as uh, they put competitive fights on, how do you not? Like <laughs> and there's different dimensions to it. There's the dimension of floor chess when they're on the floor on the mat, with the grappling and everything that goes with that, and all the different elements. And of course, when they're striking, um, and there's always the mental element of two men trying to break the other physically and mentally. Uh, and that's what was going on here. I Philly. Philly won also, I got to mention this, Ken, with a heavy heart because him and his wife had just lost, I believe it was a, their newborn baby. I'm not sure if it was a miscarriage, but um, I know that they he talked about that. It was heart-wrenching to hear it. So our prayers obviously go out to uh, Philly. Um, you talk about being under pressure. My God, you lose. Yeah. You lose your infant baby and child and, and, and then you have to go to work. Um, and he did. And he went to work. Um, two tough as nails guys. Uh, to your point, Algio, he, the way I tweeted it was, Ken, he did a Harry Houdini uh, escape from <laughs> a chokehold. Really. I mean, Harry Houdini would have been proud. Uh, the way that he, of course, Harry Houdini was the great escape artist. And Algio Maybe he's got another vocation after he's retired from uh, UFC if he wants to go into uh, follow what Harry Houdini did because that was pretty amazing. Uh, again, just refused to submit. Uh, incredible will. Kudos to both warriors. Let's move on to the next one. Go ahead. You pronounce this guy's name. Say it fast five times, please. <laughs> Chitty Njikani and Greg Rodriguez, the RoboCop. Uh, RoboCop shoots on Njikani early in the fight, catches a knee right to the bridge of the nose. Sorry, right between his eyebrows. Like, I mean, right on the right at the top of the arch of the nose and split his face so bad between his eyebrows. It, Dana tweet, uh, Dana posted a picture on Instagram and you could literally, it was like you could see his skull. You could almost see veins running through this cut. It was, it, for me, it was the worst in terms of not the, not the widest, like at length, but in terms of it being wide and deep, it was, had to be down to his skull. And then they did a masterful job stitching it up. But my God, they kept the doctor busy as we'll talk about in the main event. They had a vicious cut too. I, it's it's ma- amazing that they hey, let when this you put, When you introduce... 
not just part. Look, you get bad cuts in boxing, but when you introduce boxing's eight ounce, ten ounce gloves. When you introduce four ounce gloves, right on the hands instead of eight or ten, and then elbows and knees and kicks. Hey, you're going to be more prone to cuts and more, you know, difficult cuts, savage cuts, if you will. And again, that's why I'm so happy when these guys, as much money as they can get, and when they get those bonuses, they, just like the fighters, no different, but they earn every freaking cent. Go ahead, Ken, I'm sorry, I had to. Yeah, no, all good. So, yeah, Robocop, he catches a knee, but this is the best part. He said after the fight, yeah, I felt a little blood coming down in Dan- Daniel Cormier. It was like someone show him a mirror. He, so he, he knows he's cut, but he fights back and keeps fighting into the second round and gets this win by stoppage, just some uh, TKO, just punches him into submission, essentially. The ref jumps in and mercifully shuts it down as Njikani is just covering up and taking shots. It's basically a way of submitting without actually tapping. You just cover up, stop, stop trying to defend yourself, essentially. Stop firing back and they're going to stop it and that's what happened and credit to uh rodriguez the robocop the brazilian fighter just looked awesome dealt with the adversity like a champion as you would say handled himself like a fighter did exactly what you would expect from a fighter after the fight he said i was born for this i'm made for this and hard to argue with them when you can fight with a cut that looked like it probably could use a hundred stitches at least from a plastic surgeon um how'd you like the fight itself uh, like you're saying First of all, the, what I always say is it's one thing to know how to fight like a fighter. It's another thing to always know how to behave like one. It's one thing to know how to fight like a champion. is another to behave like one. These guys know how to behave like one when they're tested. And Rodriguez showed that he knows how to behave like a fighter, like a gladiator, a warrior, a champion. You know, you don't have to have, have uh, necessarily a belt around your waist to be a champion. It's all in the way you live, the choices you make, and what you do when the moment comes, how you behave. And he behaved like every bit like a champion. Uh, I had to laugh when he made that remark about the cut, that savage, savage cut that was even hard to look at it, to be honest. And I had to laugh in a way where I've seen, I've seen some people, men, obviously, that um, have reacted... M- in a much more dramatic way to uh, a shaving cut, a shaving nick than, <laughs> than, I mean, I've seen some of these men, they're all like, uh, and, and they're walking around, you know, with all the pieces of toilet paper all over their, all over their face and like, oh no, I, 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 I got this, you know, shaving, I got these nicks. I mean, that's how Rodriguez acted. He, he acted like he got a freaking nick shaving. And I was almost waiting for him to go and find like a piece of toilet paper and say, here, put this on over there, push it against it, and this should uh, this should handle that problem. Uh, pretty incredible. What a chin. We're talking about the cut, but what a chin on Rodriguez absorbing that knee that created the cut uh, to the face. And like I said, not even blinking uh, and, and winding up with that cut. Uh, Acting like he just got, as I said, like he, he he was, you know, he was shaving on a Sunday morning and he got a nick. He broke, uh, he broke Enzo spirit at the end. 
uh, physically and mentally with his relentless attitude and will. For me, it was uh, the cut and even the way that he won, you know, breaking him down and, you know, just having to win when obviously the doctor and referee could be thinking about stopping, which they did in the, in the final fight that night. Um, they finally did with, with another horrendous cut, but it went a little longer. It went into the fifth round. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for me, it was reminiscent of Marciano, and I put a tweet up, and Rob and my crew put up a tweet uh, with a picture of Marciano when he fought Ezra Charles. I think it was after the eighth round. I'm not sure, seventh to eighth round. Marciano's nose was split, and um, the ref was going to stop it. He gave him one more round, and what did The Rock do? Well, he went out there and he knocked out uh, the great, and he is great, the great Ezra Charles. So it was a, for me, I always see history in these fights. If there's history to see, I saw that history. I went back to it, uh, put it up on the Twitter board, and and then we went on to the next fight, which you're going to bring us to now. Yep, that's exactly right. And in the main event, we had in the main event we had um, uh, Corey Sanhagen taking on Song Yadong, Song Yadong from uh, the Great Alpha Mill Gym up there. Um, in Northern Cali, so you know he's going to be tough. You know he's going to have his wrestling dialed in with uh, Uriah Faber and crew. And again, another bloody mess. Corey Sanhagen steps in at one point with a right, I believe it was a right elbow, and just like catches him with a nice innocent-looking quick little shot with the elbow, but literally the elbow almost acted like a razor blade and sliced his eye. You know what that reminded me of with the way you just described it? I, I got to tell you this story. There was a great hockey player. I'm sure that the hockey um, aficionados know him. He's one of the greatest of all time, Gordy Howe. And he played until, I don't know, like 50, 60. He played with his three sons, two, three sons. Pretty incredible guy. But a tough, tough, a great scorer, great player, strong physically, great player, you know. But was as tough as they come. Nobody, so tough that most people wouldn't even mess with him. And I remember hearing a story. I was doing a fight plan when I was doing fight Friday night fights. And I was doing a fight plan somewhere out west. And w there was a ice skating arena out there. And I think I, I, it was a National Hockey League affiliate, like like a, like a one of the minor the league AHL, teams. IHL. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we went out on the ice and we did the fight plan there. We used to do the fight plans, you know, in those kind of settings, wherever we were. We tried to get a unique setting that made sense for the area that we were in on that particular weekend. We got this great hockey player. I can't remember his name, but he was he had the record for most penalty minutes, I believe, in the history of the NHL. So you, you talk about a fight. Is it Bob, Pro so, Bob Probert maybe from the Detroit Red Wings? Uh, no, it wasn't him. I, I can't remember. Who, if I heard the name, I probably remember. But Stan Jonathan, you know. So he was out there. He was living out there. He came and he did the fight plan with me. We invited him to do it. Great guy. And after we got finished, you know, obviously we talk about fighting. We're doing fighting, and he was known as a great fighter. And with all these penalty minutes, so we talk about well, who was the toughest guy you ever? fought he goes well it was the guy that i avoided fighting it was gordy howe he said that was a guy nobody wanted to fight i was on the same team with him later in his life where we were 
in a scrimmage and just to show you what you are what you are and you know if you're a tough son of a gun you're, you're always that and Gordy Howe said, you know, that's what he was. And he said he's out there on the ice with him and they're scrimmaging. And he said at the time, I think he said he was a rookie. And so he was trying to score points with the great Gordy Howe. He's trying to impress him. And so he's out there and he's scrimmaging and he's banging into him. I mean, like uh, really banging into him like a game, checking him, you know, uh, uh, you know, doing things that I don't think you should be doing against a guy like Gordy Howe. So, but he learned his lesson. It, it didn't take long. He said, a little while later, he said, I went to high check him again. And all of a sudden, with just a flick of his stick, like a surgeon uh, removing a wart, he said he just <laughs> took his stick and he flicked it, tut, 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 and he said he, he sliced up my eye. Gave me about 40 stitches. Real precision-like. Precision. <laughs> just just up in the eyebrow. Tat, 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 tat. Like, like Michelangelo with the, with the stroke of a, of a paintbrush. And all of a sudden, uh, blood is dumping down on me. And uh, that, was, that was the last time I ever checked uh, hard against Gordie Howe in a scrimmage. And I, it was the first of many lessons... Uh, to move on in the National Hockey League uh, and, and the other places that he wound up playing. The great Gordy Howe didn't have to say a word. And then um, later on, patted him and said, okay, kid, you know, you'll be okay. Uh, go get a towel, get that, put, put a towel on it. I think he even handed him a towel to put on it to stem the bleeding. And then, of course, go in the locker room and find the doctor and get stitched up. But um, <laughs> that's that. You're right. That's how precision like um, Sanhagen was with his elbow. He was like Gordy Howe with a stick. He 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 just opened them right up. Uh, for me, Song, when he's striking, he he's a strong striker. I I like him. Uh, he he's like the great boxing champion from Japan in a way where he's always in good position to deliver punches with power and um, place them accurately. This was obviously a real test to see where Song is in his career right now, uh, where he fits. And he's, you know, he's very close. Uh, Sanhagen, for me, I don't know, some people, times he don't get enough credit. I mean, this is a guy that has so many tools in his toolbox the only thing, Ken, that I could say, and I think I tweeted this, that's missing in his in that toolbox is the power drill. Uh, there's there's no you know there's no TNT on his shots, but so solid technically and mentally, he really is. And again, you already touched on it. Another horrendous cut over the eye of Song, uh, two of them in one night. Uh, uh, these guys is. You know, as I also say, they, they don't only know how to fight like gladiators, but they know how to behave like them when the moment comes. I had it 1-1 in rounds going into the third round. Sanhagen uses legs to make the ring bigger. Song, Song would have liked a smaller ring, maybe a phone booth, I think. <laughs> but um, Song, I thought Song should have placed some body shots. I just gave him credit for being a good puncher and placing shots so accurately, and he does. 
I, I was surprised that someone in the corner didn't tell him to try to place some body shots uh, to remove some of the air out of Sanhagen's wheels, you know, uh, because Sanhagen was using his legs really effectively. Or at least kick to his legs, which, which these guys do when they want to take somebody's mobility away. Uh, Sanhagen did a great job navigating around the ring, I thought, picking shots to pot shot with punches, uh, picking the right spots. I tweeted after the fourth round that I had it 3-1, to one, and I felt now that the ref would probably stop it on the cut because it, it wasn't only bleeding really badly again, but Sanhagen really, he had the fight pretty much put away in control. And I thought that it was kind of like time to stop it, that, that the ref and the doctor, or the referee, I guess ultimately, would feel that they gave Song his chance to pull it out. Uh, you know, and he, he wasn't able to, so why let him go a fifth round with such a, you know, such a, such a horrendous cut. Um, and again, great, great heart of song. And uh, just great, just great, well-rounded display of technique by Sanhagen. Uh, he's, he's really, he, that guy is, uh, he is really a blue-collar technician uh, that goes out there and he, he knows how to do everything. You know, he, he, he's, he's, I think he's more than just a guy, you know, he'll get his title shot. Um, it's going to be interesting because I think maybe some people might look at him as that gatekeeper, that guy that tests the next guy to see if they're going to go on through the gate, you know, the next superstar, whatever, uh, the next talent. But, Obviously, he thinks, and I think of him as more than that, uh, a guy that's going to get his title shot, and we'll see what happens. Thorough, thorough analysis of all both the big cards. Uh, Teddy, I'm getting ready to fly to uh, Germany tomorrow night, so next Monday we'll be doing the show. I'll be in Munich. I'm going to go down to Oktoberfest for a, a week after the marathon to get some uh, re rest when, and When relaxation. is the marathon so all, all the people can know when you race this? This coming Sunday, September twi September twenty fifth, it'll be in Berlin, Mar Berlin, Germany. I believe you have to win. You have to win. You know what date that is? That's that's my, our fortieth anniversary. Me and my wife Elaine. That's our fortieth anniversary. It, uh, September twenty fifth. Well, Teddy. So the good news is I'm gonna I'm gonna win or miss the show because I'm dead from trying too hard the next day. So we'll have something to celebrate. Try not the to do that. I mean, try not to do that. Matter of fact, here, wait, wait, hold on a minute, hold on. Let me just check your. your, your, your. I might need that at the finish make, line. Make, make sure you're okay. Take a deep breath, please. Okay. All right. No, you're good. You're good. You'll be fine. I'm ready. Fine. I feel. I feel good. Oh, um, you look feel good. very confident. I'm trying. Um, looking forward to it. But yeah, next week I will be doing the show from. I'll be in Munich, so that will be uh, fun. 
Not sure what's on the docket for next year, next week. I think it's a slow week, but nevertheless, we'll have plenty to talk about. And uh, one of the things that I mentioned to you and Rob when I was taught, when you were mentioned about the UFC, they always put on good cards. I think it'd be fun one time to have Mick Maynard or uh, Sean Shelby come on, the matchmakers from the UFC. I'm super interested, and I assume the fans would be too. I'd love to hear how their process works. How do they discuss who's fighting who? I mean, some of the ma- some of the fights make themselves, but for the ones that don't, how do you find fights for some of the lesser known guys? Who do you match them against? Against, what styles make good fights? I think there's an art to it in the UFC. And who, definitely who's the does guy who well. wants to fight everyone? Who's the guy say like yeah. the old, uh, the former John L. Sullivan years ago <laughs> that was the, the last bare-fisted champion, where he said, "I take on any man in the." Well, he used a different kind of language, but I take on any son of a bee uh, in the joint, uh, you know, uh, that <laughs> dares to challenge me and. I'd like yeah. to know which of these great warriors um, have that John L. Sullivan attitude that they, they, they don't care. They fight anybody just for the well, that's what, you know, just that, well, for the sake of fighting and not just only the money and everything. Of course, that's important too and the business side of it. But some of them just purely for the challenge of fighting because that's that's what they do. And I'd like to know the ones that, Maybe give them a little hard time that are, you know, a little bit more difficult to deal with and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully the fans would would be interested if we did go down that road. Yeah, I thought about RoboCop after the fight that he's Daniel asked him, who do you want next? And it, it was, you know, you could just tell he's one of those guys. He said, listen, I tell the UFC matchmaker, send me anyone. I'll fight anyone on whatever notice I'm ready. And you know that some of these guys are like that. But as soon as some of the guys start winning, they start wanting to handpick all the uh, opponents. Understandably, you know, if you're managing your career, that would that's the right thing to do. No one did it better than Floyd Mayweather and, to a certain extent, Canelo, too. I think he obviously made a mistake with Bevo, but credit to him for taking the fight. But that part of it, that part of it would be super interesting. And one other thing, when you mentioned about the... Um, I'll tell you someone Howard, who's doing a good job with that right now. You know, not your conventional boxer. I get it. But give credit to Jake Paul if we're going to give credit out there. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, For sure. He, he's a smart guy. And listen, he takes a risk. He gets in the ring. Does he pick his spots? Hey, I think everybody, for the most part, does. And maybe that's what would be interesting, as I just said. We're, we're talking to the matchmakers of the UFC, if we, if we did go that route, um, and we got him on, would be, who are the guys that don't give a flying you-know-what uh, <sighs> about, as we were just touching on, who the hell they're fighting, that, that don't pick spots? That 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 think anybody out there is fair game. Give bring him, you know, like just bring him to me. Bring <laughs> well, you him. were speaking about um, about hockey. When I finished playing in college, I went to a um, a training camp for a minor league hockey team. Only for a few days, I was not nearly good enough to play at the next level, not even close. But you know, they invite a lot of people to these training camps. So one of the kids I played in college with. He is. Um, he gets out there, and he was a really good uh, skill player. But n- not not that he wasn't tough, but he definitely wasn't a fighter. He was like a reserved guy, you know. But 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 a real athlete, and probably could mix it up. And a big goon from you know you scrimmaging. So a big goon who's out there trying to make the team as a fighter lines up next to him. And contrary to what people think, if they've never played hockey. You know, fighting a lot of times in hockey is like scripted, meaning, hey, I'm going to fight you on the next shift. It's, and then it's a real fight. But you're almost like accommodating a guy to give him a fight. You're trying to make it as a fighter. I'll give you a fight. But you don't fight guys that 
there's, there's a lot of unwritten rules. You don't fight a guy who's not a fighter. If the well, guy let me has jump in there. Let me jump in yeah. there. The great, great, great way of explaining that and illustrating that is maybe the greatest player or one of the greatest players of all time, Wayne Gretzky. Yep. The great one, right? I mean, you're pretty good if your nickname is the great one. I guess you're pretty <laughs> damn good or whatever the fuck you're doing. And he's the highest scorer in the history of the National Island. He wasn't a fighter. He was a finesse guy. Nope. He was a small guy. He was a guy who anticipated things. He was a guy that got in the pocket, got, got in front, not the pocket, um, but whatever that's called in front of that uh, goal. Maybe it is a pocket, but in he got crease. in front of In the crease, that's right. He got in the crease. And he anticipated really extraordinarily, and and he would score, and he had a great slap shot, all that stuff. Um, but they would basically hire goons. Uh, I I shouldn't say goons, but that's what they called them back in those days. But they would hire fighters. That, in the that, early days, they take yeah, in the early days they would they would hire fighters. I I remember Dave Schultz of the Broadway Bullies, the Philadelphia yeah, Philly Flyers, uh, Flyers uh, was was a guy that was out there, but uh, doing that kind of work. But again, these guys were these guys were tough guys, but they were never gonna go and win a figure skating uh, skating contest. Uh, you know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they, it wasn't about their skating. It was about their toughness and about protecting the big guy. And I remember they had, they had guys there that were on Edmonton at that time when Gretzky was there winning all those Stanley Cups um, with Mark Messier and the other great players, uh, Coffee and all of them. I remember that they hired guys, tough guys, to protect him basically, to uh, escort him. If you will, you oh, you're going to try to hit our guy? No, you're not. You're going to have to go through me, you know. And um, I think all D the teams, Dave Semenko, Marty, Marty McSorley, they were his yeah. uh, protectors. And to to your point, though, those guys, once Gretzky had a certain stature, you wouldn't do that. I mean, if you hurt that guy, like the whole NHL would come after you. There's just things you don't do. But he had guys that if you even checked him too hard, you weren't, like, from the Oilers' perspective, we're not, you're not even allowed to check him. And if you do, these guys are going to fight you, and they're crazy. I mean, Marty McSorley one time came across the uh, blue line he was playing for the Bruins and took his hand like a hatchet and smashed Donald Brashear across the face. I think he had a momentary brain lapse. It was insane. But that shows you the mentality of these guys. He chopped him in the face he almost killed him. I mean, he, I think he got kicked out of the league for life, but he was immediately regretful. I think he just like freaked for a minute. But these guys were like crazy. And so anyway, I'm out on the ice. The kid I played with in college, he's out there. And a goon lines up next to him and says, hey, we're going. And my guy's like, no, 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 no. I'm here to make the team on skill. I'm like basically like, no, thank you. I'm not fighting. That they drop the puck. The big goon takes my buddy's stick out of his hand, rips it out of his hand, and flings it out of the, out of the rink. And he's like, now what? <laughs> my buddy was just like, I, I'm not a fighter. And they, they didn't fight. But that was a good way to get attention if you were an enforcer. Hey, you don't want to fight? I just took your stick and threw it out of the rink. Now what? But, um, yeah, the minor leagues is where you see some of that real Bush League stuff going on. And, uh, I mean, it's it's toned down massively now. But you remember the time the Bruins went in the stands at the New York Rangers game at MSG? Oh, yeah. They got in a fight. Yeah. Someone threw something on the ice. Terry O'Reilly went right over the glass, jumped in the No, thing, no, I think it was worse than that, Ken. I don't I don't think they I don't think they just threw someone I I think they one of the guys was in the penalty box and somebody threw something at him which was really a cowardly thing to do. Yes. Uh, that threw something at the player that was yep. basically trapped in the penalty box yep. uh, where he, he was defenseless and they tried to 
hit him with something. <laughs> this was in the 70s. They ran up, and Terry O'Reilly's, like, pummeling a guy, and the guy's kicking his shoes up with his, like, Gucci loafers, probably some uh, investment banker entertaining clients. And Terry O'Reilly took the guy's loafer off and started beating him with his own shoe. It was it was madness. Reminded me of uh, then, then years later, you know, the Detroit Pistons when they had the mayhem at the palace when the, uh, yeah. was yeah. it, um, Ron Art? Was it our test? I think it was our test was one of them. Who yeah. changed his name to Meta, Meta World World Peace or World Beef? No, Meta World Peace, something like that. Anyway, yeah, hockey has. Well, some, uh, it makes crazy sense stories. to change your name to Man of World Peace after you beat the hell out of somebody. <laughs> oh yeah, he went not after that he, the guy. Not too. that he wasn't justified. I'm just saying it, yeah. it definitely. I I mean that's the first thing I would have thought about was that you go and beat the crap out of somebody in a basketball game, right? Uh, yep. and, and and then you uh, change your name. to the man of world peace. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it fits right in. It makes sense. But well, uh, we co- we covered it all today, Teddy. And like I said, next week I'll be dialing in from Munich, Germany. Thanks for well, all listen, the notes. On you behalf took. of everybody, on be- in all seriousness, on behalf of everyone. First of all, get your vaccination of so you don't get this <laughs> canelloitis. Really, don't get me seriously. started on vaccines. I, 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 I don't want that to mess you up. Do not <laughs> catch canelloitis. But um. No, but on behalf, I'm, I'm going to say on behalf of all of us uh, here, uh, Rob, everybody, and all the fans out there, good luck. Uh, do you. us proud. Do us proud. Go out there and and win. And and like I said, it, it's not it's not about just winning. It's it's about just putting it all out there and doing everything in your control to win. And and where and then once you do that, then you're a winner. No matter what the results are, for all people out there in life, once you put it all out there and and you you face the music in that kind of way and you put yourself out there, you know, even in a way where you could be emotionally hurt, you could be physically hurt, whatever, but you put yourself out there and you lay it all on the line, you prepare for it, you do everything you can. At the end of the day, you've won. No matter no matter yes. what the no matter what the judges say, no matter what you know the placement of where you are happened, it doesn't matter. You won, and you won for the rest of your life. So anyway, good luck out there, Ken. I'll be looking forward to hearing the results. Yeah, Teddy, thank you. And uh, just as an FYI, like the 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 tidbits of. Um you know the the mental part of preparation that I've garnered from you over the years is uh, has been a big component and very helpful in what I've done with running. And our friend um, Anthony Stitt, who wrote the beautiful article about you in Forbes about your coverage of MMA, he actually sent me a note the other day and said, asked me about, hey, does Teddy help you like almost coach you with the mental stuff? And I said, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I've I've picked up a wealth of knowledge. I mean, I could write a book on mindset just on the stuff I've picked up from Teddy. And he came back the other day and said, hey, I'd love to write a story about how Teddy's helped you with the, with the uh, with your mental preparation. So I said, yeah, let's do it after Berlin. I'd love to talk to you, and I'm sure Teddy would too. So that's a ni- nice of Anthony to um, follow up with us, and uh, I would love to see him write an article about how we've worked together. And, uh, you know, hopefully people listening to the show get the same thing I get, which is, you know, you just the, the, the more you surround yourself with great 
people and pick up little tidbits here and there, hopefully it just molds you into a better person down the road. And I always say you're basically a sum of the people you spend the most time with. And uh, we spend a lot of time together. So thank you for everything. I appreciate you. I appreciate Rob. I know you guys are supporting me. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll bring home some German hardware. Uh, good luck again. We're, we're all behind you. We're proud of you. And um, for all the people out there, um, get your... <laughs> <laughs> Get your vaccination. That caneloitis can really ravage you. It can. It really. It really can. And don't forget the the medication, the treatment that you got here. It comes from. Yes, it comes from science. It comes from experience. It comes from knowledge. But it comes from our hearts too. We care about you. That's yep. all. We care about you. And God bless everybody. Everyone have a great week. We'll see you next Monday. We'll have a lot to cover. And um, thank you for being with us. Please subscribe to the show. Like, share. You know the drill. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Oh, one last thing. Can I throw one last thing in there? Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. But I I really would be upset at myself if we went off the air without saying um, God bless the Queen. Queen Elizabeth uh, the second was was laid to rest today across the pond. And uh, I just want to, again, on behalf of everybody, send our prayers across the pond. We have many, many, many fans over there we're blessed to have that watch this show, that are fight fans, both UFC and boxing. And uh, we know you lost your queen. She was there for 70 years. Wow, what a run. What a run. What, what an amazing woman and an amazing leader. So, God bless. God bless, guys. Have a great week. <laughs>